Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. Uh, this podcast is free, uh, but if you'd like to support me, you can do that in a few ways. One of them is to check out uh, my podcast sponsors, and they both have things to offer to you. For example, you could check out Audible uh, and uh, download a free audiobook. Uh, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacherluke. Or you could check out italki, uh, which is a great service for finding native speakers to talk to and teachers who can give you English lessons. And italki are offering all of my listeners uh, a voucher worth 100 italki credits. Uh, and to check out that offer and just to have a look at italki, go to uh, teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk. So check out those two uh, sponsors and see what they can offer to you. And um, if you want to say thanks, probably the most sincere way to do it would be to send me a donation. And you can do that through PayPal. It's very secure and safe and all that kind of thing. Just uh, click a PayPal button on my website. You can send me a message as well when you send a donation. And if you want, you can make your donation like a regular thing. You could do a monthly donation if you want. Uh, the amount is completely up to you. You could send me uh, one pound or you could send me a hundred billion pounds. Um, I, it's unlikely that you're going to send me a hundred billion pounds, but who knows? Who knows? Um, so anyway, those are some ways in which you can sort of get involved and take advantage of sponsorships and also say thank you to me. All right, good. That's the end of this bit at the beginning. Now I will let you listen to the jingle and here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Luke's English Podcast. Is it possible to be welcomed back to a new episode? I don't know. I suppose it is because I've just done it, haven't I? Basically, what I'm trying to say is welcome back to the podcast and here is a new episode for you. This one is called OPP Other People's Podcasts Part 3. And in this episode, I'm going to recommend some other people's podcasts. Um, now, I've done this before, twice in fact. I did two episodes before called OPP Other People's Podcasts Parts 1 and 2. And those were episodes number 236 and 237. And in those episodes, I recommended some of my favourite podcasts that I like to listen to when I'm out and about with my headphones on, okay? Because obviously I listen to podcasts as well. I don't just make episodes of this podcast. I also like to listen to other people's podcasts. I love podcasts. And so in parts one and two, I recommended a mix of British and American podcasts that I like to listen to. 
And in this episode, I'm going to tell you about some more of those things. But this time, we're focusing only on British podcasts, okay? Those are podcasts that are produced in the UK and on which you can listen to British voices mainly, okay? Um, So, I hope that you will listen to some of these podcasts or at least check them out. They might be good for you to listen to. But I'm kind of th- I, I'm recommending other people's podcasts, right? And I kind I'm kind of thinking maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this because, like a jealous boyfriend, I don't want you looking at anyone or listening to anyone or spending time with anyone other than me. But then again, my desire to share my favourite podcasts is just too great, and I can't help letting you know which podcasts have been filling my iPhone in recent months. I love listening to podcasts. I genuinely think that the podcast as an invention is one of the greatest things in the universe. It's amazing that we can get all of this really interesting audio completely free and it's all conveniently stored in your pocket and available whenever you want it. The podcasts are brilliant and there are so many out there for you to choose from. Um, podcasts are different to video because the advantage is that you can listen to a podcast while you're doing other things, especially traveling around or doing menial tasks like the housework. And I just really want you to enjoy some of the shows that I enjoy listening to. So, um, I'm sharing here, basically. I just want to kind of share some of the love because, um, you know, every time I go out, I stick the headphones on and I start listening to one of my favourite uh, podcasts. So I just want to share them with you. You might be interested in listening to them. So uh, this is, um, I'm talking about podcasts f- that are probably made for native speakers. This isn't a selection of podcasts for learners of English, because I'm sure that you know about them. Um, as well as Luke's English podcast, there are some very well-known and popular podcasts out there for learners of English. And I'm sure that you're aware of of many of them, all right? So, no, this is not um, a a list of uh, podcasts uh, made for learners of English. In fact, this is for, this is about podcasts made by native speakers for native speakers, although obviously you can listen as well. Uh, The main thing is that these podcasts are not about learning English and they're not for learning English exactly. They're about other things. So films, science, comedy, in-depth conversations, history, and things like that. Um, So they might be difficult for you to understand because they're not for learners of English. There are some barriers here for your... um, There are some barriers to your enjoyment of these podcasts. Uh, The general language level might be rather high. Also, these podcasts exist within a culture that you're not familiar with, probably. And that's basically, you know, everyday British culture, certainly in relation to things like British comedy, politics, and just the general mindset of life in the UK. Uh, The people in these podcasts will often be talking about stuff that you might not be familiar with, like local British events, British TV news, political events, or pop culture, things like that. Um, So, you know, that might be that might mean it's harder for you to listen to these things long term, which might be a barrier. But, you know, maybe this is exactly what you're looking for. Because I know that lots of people who listen to my podcast, they want to listen to sort of authentic British English. Um, You just don't necessarily know what to look for. Um, So, you know, the fact that this is all very specific to to the UK, and the language level will be high, 
those things might be the exact reasons why these podcasts will appeal to you. Perhaps you want the authentic British stuff. Um, I know that some of you really want to listen to British people talking at natural speed about British things. So here you are. Here are some recommendations. Also, it's good for your English. Um, As I said in my recent episode about breaking the intermediate plateau, I think it's very important that you listen to things like this in order to get exposed to normal, authentic English. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, it's important to listen to a mix of content that you can understand with too, without too much trouble. So sometimes listening to things that are fairly comprehensible, like episodes in which I talk on my own in my naturally clear voice. So some of that, and also content which is more challenging, like these episodes, uh, these podcasts that I'm going to talk to you about today, uh, these podcasts for native speakers. Um Usually in the podcast, in, in Luke's English podcast, I do try to cover all of these things by presenting you with some content that's not too difficult to follow, and then some stuff which is more difficult, such as the interviews and conversations I have with various native speakers, all right? Um, but if you want some more challenging listening practice beyond the interviews on my podcast, here are some suggestions from me to you. Uh, also, these podcasts, who knows, these podcasts might not be your cup of tea. Maybe they're just things that I enjoy, but for some reason you won't like them. I don't know. But there's only one way for you to find out, and that is for you to just listen to them and see for yourselves. And who knows, maybe you'll like one or two or three of these and you'll add them to your podcast collection. And who knows, you might become long-term listeners. And before you know it, you are regularly listening to uh, just normal native speakers talking about normal native speaker type stuff, uh, podcasts generally intended for a British audience. Who knows, you might be listening to some of those things Uh, regularly, as well as Luke's English podcast. Because, you know, I hope you don't uh, decide to just switch to listening to one of these other ones and just completely forget about me. Um, But, you know, who knows? Anyway, share. I'm all about sharing in this episode. Um, All right. So without any further ado, let's look at some of my favourite podcasts. And I just want to give you a quick reminder of some of my... um, uh, some of the podcasts I recommended from last time. Obviously, you can go back to the other uh, OPP episodes I did before and listen to them. You'll find links on the page for this episode. Um, but I, I did a mix of American and British ones in that uh, in those two episodes. This time, I'm just talking about British ones. Here's a reminder of three of my, probably my favourite three from the last time I talked about other people's podcasts. So the first one is Adam and Joe. And I've talked about Adam and Joe a few times. That's Adam Buxton and Joe Cornish. They used to do uh, a show for the uh, BBC. The The show is no longer running. It used to be a Saturday morning radio show that got turned into a podcast. Uh, it's not actually running anymore, but many of the episodes are still available and you can find them uh, on the BBC's website. You can download all those episodes. There's quite a lot of stuff there and it's just a really good, high-quality podcast. Very funny. They uh, make little observations about different aspects of uh, of normal life in the UK, and uh, there are sort of song competitions, and uh, they deal with messages from listeners, and just generally, they're brilliant and funny, and uh, I, I just absolutely adore listening to Adam and Joe, and it's one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast in the first place. So that's Adam and Joe on the BBC. 
Second one is called Desert Island Discs. Desert Island Discs, um, and it's another BBC show. And uh, Desert Island Discs is one of the longest-running interview shows on uh, BBC Radio. It's a national institution, and essentially uh, it's based around a concept that the interviewee is going to be sent to a desert island, uh, and um, they're going to live the rest of their life on a desert island, and they get to choose um, eight pieces of music, uh, a luxury item to take with them as well. And so uh, the interviewer uh, asks questions about the pieces of music, and essentially it's a way of finding out about that person's life through the musical choices they make. And it's very revealing and just it has this nice intimate kind of atmosphere, and it's been on the radio for decades, and you can find a huge archive of Desert Island Discs uh, interviews on the BBC's website, including lots of famous people, some of your favourite people, you know, like there's, you know, Michael Caine and Sean Connery and all sorts of people. So check that out. Um, that If that sounds a bit familiar, if that sounds like um, a couple of episodes of my podcast that I did a couple of years ago, which were called Marooned With My Music, in which I interviewed members of my family about their musical choices if they had to go and live on a desert island, um, then, well, it's my podcast episodes were kind of a tribute to uh, the Desert Island Discs show. So, Desert Island Discs there. And then the third one from last time uh, is probably my favourite podcast of all time, and that is Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's Film Review. And that's the BBC's flagship film review show, which is on BBC Radio 5. And their show happens every Friday afternoon on the radio, and then it gets turned into a podcast, which is sort of published on Friday evening. And basically, Mark and Simon have been on the radio together for about a decade. But Simon Mayo, in particular, has been uh, broadcasting on BBC Radio for, oh, I don't know, something like 30 years, something like that. Um, And Mark and Simon just... The chemistry between the two of them is just great. You know, they get on really well. They bounce off each other. And the the podcast is never boring. It's always really fun, interesting uh, content to listen to, especially if you're interested in films, because Mark is a film critic and um, he's just got a real talent for talking about movies in, a, in an opinionated yet balanced and very interesting way and it's and it's very entertaining and it's just it's just sort of like heartwarming life affirming stuff it's not just a radio show about movies it's also about life itself and it's very heartwarming to listen to so i suggest that you become part of the community of people who listen to mark kermode and simon mayo's film review podcast uh, and you will start to understand all of the little jokes that they make, you know, in the same way that you probably enjoy being part of the Luke's English podcast community and you get all the little in-jokes that uh, happen on this podcast. S- similar kind of thing on Mark and Simon's podcast. So you could check that out. So those are three British podcasts from the last time I talked to you about uh, uh, other people's podcasts. Um and so here's my here's my new selection, and I've got one, two, uh, three, four, uh, five, six, seven other podcasts to talk to you about uh, today. By the way, if you're if you're thinking about um, a good podcast app, um, I don't know how you listen to podcasts. You might listen to Luke's English podcast on the internet. Maybe you go to my website and listen to episodes there. 
I'm sure that most of you have smartphones with podcasting apps that you're using. But if you're just wondering um, about a good app to use for listening and downloading podcasts onto your smartphone, um, you could try um, Acast. That's A-C-A-S-T. And you can find it at acast.com. And Acast just seems to be a pretty good podcast app all around. It's very simple to use. You can download episodes in in the app and then just listen to them, you know, even when you don't have an internet connection. Uh, and it's very simple to use. You can also uh, stream episodes over the internet if you've got a mobile internet connection. And it's free to download and you can find Luke's English podcast. And I think all of the other all of these other podcasts are also available on Acast as well. Uh, there are lots of other uh, podcasting apps available, but um, just as a suggestion, you could check out acast.com. So uh, the first podcast uh, that I'm going to recommend to you in this episode then is uh, called The Allusionist. The Allusionist. And <clears throat> The Allusionist is a podcast about language which is why um, I've chosen to tell you about this one first, okay? The Illusionist is um, presented by uh, a woman called Helen Zaltzman, and she's an etymologist and historian. An etymologist is someone who finds out about the origins of words and where words come from and what the real origin of the meaning of words is. Um, And Helen Zaltzman specialises in the history of language, and specifically the history of words, okay? But this isn't a boring history podcast because Helen's episodes on The Illusionist are bright and witty and very relevant to the modern world. Uh, They're often fascinating and full of interesting little facts about the way that language works and about the history of individual words. Um, Helen Zaltzman is the sister of another famous podcaster called Andy Zaltzman. Andy Zaltzman um, is one of the guys who does the Bugle podcast, which I recommended last time. Um, and so uh, Helen is is very funny and very clever, just like her brother Andy. Um, in fact, listening to the podcast, Helen comes across as being both adorable and brilliant. Um, and she's a very charming presenter with lots of interesting insights and stuff that you don't know about language. Um, each episode is quite short. Uh, they tend to be about 20 minutes long. And um, they're very well prepared um, with plenty of research done beforehand. Uh, they're like really, really well prepared episodes. These are not rambling conversations about about language but they're they're more like cleverly edited little mini documentaries about aspects of language. And you can learn lots and lots of bits and pieces about the origins of certain words and also the ways in which we use language today and the kind of uh, the the pragmatic ways in which language works and the way that society sort of uh, interacts with language and the place that language has in, in uh, our world today. Um and, you know, Helen is just a very witty and clever uh, uh, podcaster and a nice person to listen to. Now, I'm going to play you a bit of uh, one of her episodes now, okay? I'm just going to play you a little bit. Now, uh, the reason I'm doing this is because I, I'm encouraging you to check out The Illusionist podcast and to subscribe to it and listen to episodes yourself. But I'm just going to give you a little taster of one of her episodes. This is from an episode she did uh, in April this year, which kind of really uh, caught my attention. This episode is all about uh, the word please and just simply how we use the word please 
uh, in English. And I'm going to play you a little bit where she's talking to an American uh, linguist <clears throat> about the differences in the way that we use the word please in Britain and the way that they use please in the United States. And there are slightly different habits and attitudes towards our use of the word please. Now, in the UK, we use please a lot, right? You know, we, we stick please into many of our sentences. Uh, please is like a vital word. It's a magic word. And I always tell students of English uh, that they have to say please. They, you know, they must say please because it makes such a big difference to the way in which you are received by people. For example, if you go to a pub and you ask for a pint of Guinness, you've got to say please. Uh, one of the most common mistakes that I've noticed uh, my learners of English in London saying is, you know, they'll go to the pub and they'll say, uh, pint of Guinness. And, you know, you've got to say please on the end, otherwise you're going to sound a bit rude. So, pint of Guinness, please, you know. So, I know there are many complex ways in which uh, you can make your uh, questions or your, your requests more polite, complex bits of syntax and word order and stuff like that. But ultimately, please is the magic word that's going to fix it. So in the UK, we have a strong relationship with the word please. Okay, But in the States, it seems that their understanding of, of the word please and their use of the word please is slightly different. Okay, I'm now going to let Helen uh, explain it to you. Um, and you can hear a little bit of her interview with this American linguist living in London. So this here are some things about the word please from the Allusionist podcast, uh, which was published in April 2016. But I thought I was on familiar ground with the word please. Technically, please does mean the same thing in both Britain and the USA, but I had absolutely no idea it is deployed quite differently on our respective sides of the Atlantic until the piñata of my ignorance was smashed open by linguist Lynn Murphy, who has been researching please. Several people have observed that the British tend to say please twice as much as Americans do, but they generally hadn't looked at if there was a reason for that other than just assuming that the British are more polite, or per more particularly the English are more polite than Americans. And so we wanted to go in and look at when Americans and British people are using please and see is it just that Americans don't bother as much? Or are they using the word for different jobs? Lynn is an American who's been living in England for the past several years. It's not that one group is more polite than the other. It's that they've got different rules. And, and if, you know, if you're following the rules the right way, you'll, you'll get along. It seems like an impossible divide. <laughs> bigger than the ocean. You know, when I first moved here, people would say to me things like, oh, in America, you don't say please. And I'd say, pardon me, we certainly do. You know, my mother drilled it into me. You have to say the magic word before you can have anything. You... But after people said this to me a few times, I started to notice that when I went out to dinner with my English friends, if I ordered first, I'd just say, I'll have the... Diavolo pizza or whatever. And my friends would all say, can I please have? And then when my family would come to visit, they'd order things at restaurants and I'd just have to say please at the end of each thing they ordered because I'd become so conscious that it was missing in American speech and in the English context. It really did a number on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as we looked at it more closely, I, I wrote about this on my blog and a lot of people wrote in and gave their, their feelings about it. And the, the theme of the post by British people was 
if you don't say please, you sound bossy. And the theme of the American commenters was, if you say please, then you sound bossy. Please excuse me while I try to come to terms with this. I'm not a rarity among English people for using please almost as much as punctuation. Please, could you pass the salt? Yes, I'd love a cup of tea, please. Please, may I proofread that ransom note before you send it? I've been habitually sprinkling my speech with please to appear deferential, when all the time, to Americans, it was coming across as bossy and patronising. And also, as you know, we look into these things a little bit further, people, people would say things like, well, please is what a child would have to say to an adult. Please, can I go to the toilet? Or please is what an adult would say to a child. Please stop poking mummy in the eye. And Lynn says the English tendency to use please at the start of a request is not the done thing in the USA. It sounds very condescending. Oh. Um, well, it can go either way. I mean, that's the thing. In, in American sense, please is marking power distance. It could be marking either upward or downward direction of power. So if, if I'm ordering from you in a restaurant and I say, please, may I have this? It could sound like uh, I'm a bit bossy. Or the way I tend to interpret it, a secretary that I work with uses it a lot, and, and I tend to interpret it as her debasing herself to me. Please, would, could we meet on Wednesday? You know, it sounds really, you know, it reminds me of Oliver. Please, sir, I want some more. What? Please, sir, I want some... It sounds very much like the person is uncertain of their right to ask. Mm -hmm. Whereas in an American restaurant situation, the people involved assume what I'm doing when I order a pizza is I'm providing the waiter with the information they need to do their job. I'll have the pizza. It sounds more bossy in England. But in, in America, it's fine because it's not seen as a personal request to another person. Interesting, right? It seems that in, in the UK, we use please um, because without it, it sounds like an order. I'll have the pizza and you need to say please as a way of showing respect. Personally, I put please at the end. I'll have the pizza, please. I don't put it at the beginning because I think the beginning sounds more bossy and insistent. Please, can I have the pizza? <coughs> Excuse me. Whereas in the United States, according to uh, according to what we just heard, um, saying please makes it sound bossy, or it creates distance of power, and for them, it's not necessary to say please because essentially you're just providing the information that the the, the waiter needs. So anyway, that's just a little example of the allusionist, which is spelled a double l u s i o n i s t by Helen Zaltzman. And please, 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 please um, check out um, her podcast or simply check out her podcast, okay, depending on where you are. If you're, if you're more on the British side, then please check out her podcast or check out her podcast, please. Or if you're from the American side, then check out her podcast, okay? And you can find uh, everything you need to know about it at theallusionist.org or, of course, on iTunes or Acast or various other podcasting apps. So that's The Illusionist. That's number one. Number two is uh, my one of my favourite podcasts at the moment. And I have mentioned this podcast before, but I'm going to mention it again. And this one is the Adam Buxton podcast. So I talked to you about Adam and Joe. 
Um, since Adam and Joe stopped doing their radio show, I think Adam was so keen to continue doing a podcast, uh, and I think he enjoys doing it, um, and so he decided to do his own. So Joe is now off doing other things. He's he's involved in filmmaking. He made a movie called Attack the Block, which was a great little sort of British science fiction film set in London. And Joe is also now involved in other movie projects. He was linked with a Star Wars film for a while, or he was linked with a, a Star Trek film. That's it. So anyway, Joe Cornish is now off doing movie projects, and Adam is... Uh, on his own now so he decided to set up his own podcast and there's been about 30 episodes 31 episodes so far and um, it's a little bit different to the Adam and Joe show so we don't have the same kind of banter the same sort of level of comedy that we had before but now Adam just invites interesting guests onto his podcast and he talks to them so they're kind of long-form interviews with interesting guests Uh, and the whole thing really is appealing to me just because I really like Adam Buxton as a person. I just think, I, I feel like he sort of represents me out there in, in the media, you know? Um, I just feel like he comes from the same kind of um, background as me. I feel like I'm on exactly the same wavelength as him. And so he's like my representative out there in, in media land. Um, I find him to be witty and funny. I find some of the th- the, the revelations that he... he um, gives on the podcast to be quite touching. Um, For example, he did several episodes about uh, David Bowie after David Bowie died earlier this year. Um, They actually came out after the ones that I did. So, you know, I didn't copy him. Um, But he did a couple of episodes about David Bowie after a few weeks, you know, that a few weeks went by and Adam was very quiet because he was a, he's a huge David Bowie fan. Uh, he was very quiet after Bowie had died. He just did one tweet on Twitter about it. So quietness for ages. And then he came back with uh, a couple of really well-produced and sort of deeply personal episodes about how he felt about David Bowie dying. And they involved little interviews with various people, including some people who knew David Bowie and who'd met him and who had little stories to tell about him, including uh, the director of, of uh, some of Bowie's videos and and other people who knew him. And um, also in there were recordings that Adam made uh, the day that he found out that Bowie had died. And Adam was like, actually very emotional. Um, so, you know, the episodes are sometimes quite touching. Sometimes they're just really sort of silly and amusing. Sometimes they're they're, they're quite uh, profound. So it's an interesting mix of sort of sometimes profound, sometimes touching stuff, um, sometimes very amusing stuff, and sometimes kind of um, trivial stuff, like just talking about kind of stupid, trivial things, like little questions and problems that we have in our everyday lives. And he picks interesting guests, people like Louis Theroux, who is like another one of my favourite people. Louis Theroux is a documentary filmmaker, um, and I should do an episode about Louis because he's just a great person who you might be interested in. <coughs> Excuse me, still got a slightly itchy throat here. Um, so uh, I, I recommend and encourage you uh, to listen to Adam Buxton's podcast. Um, episodes of his podcast usually begin with Adam walking in the countryside near his house with his dog, Rosie. So the episodes normally start with Adam walking Rosie, his dog, and you sometimes hear Rosie running around. 
and Adam gives his introduction to the episode, and then we uh, listen to a conversation between Adam and an interesting guest. Um, one of the other reasons why I like Adam's podcast so much is because he has these fantastic jingles. He's really the master of jingles, and he produces new jingles all the time. He makes them at home on uh, his computer using Logic software, and he produces these really great jingles. I mean, they're very funny and, and just good pieces of music. So, you know, great jingles, good conversation, and just a really nice person who I feel like is on my wavelength. And if he's on my wavelength, then there's a good chance that he's going to be on your wavelength too. Also, Adam speaks in a similar way to me. He's got the same kind of accent. He speaks in received pronunciation like I do. And so I think it's probably a good podcast for you to listen to if you're interested in hearing, you know, more interesting little conversations between people. Um, Now, I am going to play you um, some... Uh, I'm going to play you something here that involves Adam Buxton, but this is not uh, an extract from one of his podcast episodes. Instead, this is just uh, an extract from one of Adam and Joe's old, old radio shows from before they were on the BBC, when they made uh, radio shows on XFM, which is a London-based radio station. And um, in in this clip, which is like one of my favourite Adam and Joe clips, you're going to hear Adam um, like uh, acting as this character calling uh, the Jaffa Cakes hotline. Now, to, in order to explain this, right, so um, Jaffa Cakes, what are, what are Jaffa Cakes? Jaffa Cakes are like one of the best snacks in, in the world, okay? Now, in the UK, we love biscuits, right? I've talked about biscuits before on this podcast. We love biscuits. We like chocolate digestives and, and uh, all the different types of biscuits like custard creams and things like that. Um, one of the uh, one of the most popular f- types of biscuit is the Jaffa cake. Now there is some argument about whether or not it's a biscuit or a cake. I'm not going to get into that now. Uh, it looks a bit like a biscuit. I think, in fact, technically it might be a cake. Anyway, the Jaffa cake is like a sort of sponge, like a, a, a layer of sponge cake. It's about the size of a biscuit. Layer of a layer of sponge cake with a layer of kind of orangey jam stuff. And then the whole thing has got a layer of chocolate on the top, okay? And they are sublime. They're just absolutely delicious. And the temptation is, when you buy a box of Jaffa Cakes, the temptation is to eat the whole box in one sitting. Yum, 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 right? Um, but uh, obviously that's not very healthy, is it? It's not healthy to eat all those Jaffa Cakes in one sitting. It's not a very good idea for your health. And apparently, on the side of the of, of a Jaffa Cakes box, there is an ironic little message. And the message, which isn't supposed to be taken seriously, I think, um, is uh, something like, are you afraid that you're addicted to Jaffa Cakes? Uh, if you're afraid that you're addicted to Jaffa Cakes, call the Jaffa Cakes hotline. I think it's the Jaffaholics hotline. Now, that's a sort of ironic, humorous uh, little message on the side of a Jaffa Cakes box, but it, I, I think it's it's slightly inappropriate because I'm sure that some people actually are addicted to Jaffa Cakes. Anyway, what Adam decided to do was to call the Jaffaholics anonymous uh, f- phone line with a genuine like uh, request for help and assistance. So he Adam now becomes this Jaffa Cakes addict. And he puts on this voice of a Jaffa Cakes addict and he calls the Jaffa Cakes hotline and they don't take his inquiry seriously. And here is the result. Anyway, the other thing it says on the box is that if you've got a problem with uh, Jaffas, if you're addicted to them, call the Jaffaholics 
uh, anonymous line. Well, they're sort of jokingly saying, go on, get addicted, eat as many as you want. And I thought, that can't be their attitude, can it? So I gave them a call. I was interested to find out what happened if you did call the Jaffaholics line. Mm. And it's, yeah, it says quite sort of seriously, mm. if you do have a problem, call in the strictest confidence mm. this number. So this is what happened, uh, first of all, when I called the number. Hi, you're through to McVitie's care line. If you are calling regarding McVitie's Jaffaholics Anonymous, please press 1. Hello, your call cannot be taken at the moment, so please leave your message after the tone. Yeah, I've got like a really bad problem with like cakes and eating. Thank you for calling. What? What about my problem? So that was that it. It doesn't give you much time, does it? It's just a little answering machine, and it's only about five seconds worth That's of actual very message. Flippant. So uh, I wasn't going to stand for that. You could have a real problem. I mean, some people are addicted to chocolate. Well, exactly. So this so is... So what did Fitty's playing at? This is what I wanted to find out, if they how, how they would deal with it, if, if I really did have a problem. Hi, you're through to McVitie's care line. If you are calling regarding McVitie's Jaffaholics Anonymous, please press 1. If you would like to speak to a customer services agent about any McVitie's products, please press 2. Yeah, um, I called the, like, the problem line, you yeah. know, like, if you've got a problem. Right. And, uh, I can't get anyone there, there's, like, just a machine. Yes, it is, it, it's just so you can leave a recorded message. Can I not talk to anyone about it? Uh, no, not really, because we're not qualified to help you in any way. You Why do they put the number on the packet? It's just so you can call that line and, and leave your comment. Well, it says if you've got a problem. Right, so do you have a problem then? Yeah, with, like, the Jaffas. Right, and what, what problem have you got? Like, I eat a lot of them, you know, too many. So how many are you eating? It's like about ten packets a day. Yeah, some people say they're eating 15 or 20 a day, so you shouldn't worry too much. So she's not she's not impressed by that. Fifteen or twenty. Fifteen or twenty packets. packets. How many Jaffas in a packet of Jaffas? At least about ten. Ten or twelve. That's a hundred and fifty Jaffas a day. And I'm pretty sure that isn't good for you. No, that's that's sport sport nutrition. You'd become a top class <laughs> athlete on that many you Jaffas. Reckon. You could just roll down the track. Yeah. So anyway, she's she's not taking me seriously on the whole I'm addicted to Jaffas thing. So I persevere a little bit. Do you want to leave your name at all and we'll put you down as being a Jaffaholic? Oh, but I'm in trouble, you know, because I can put on a lot of weight. I'm not eating nothing else, really. You know. You'll have to try and cut down. I can't, though, you know. I'm just thinking about them all the time, you know. I like it. We're qualified to help you in here, you see. We're not uh, counsellors at all. All we can do is... Just make a note of your comments for you. Because it says, like, if you've got a problem, you should call, you know. Yes, well, it was just a fun line. It was just intended as that. Oh. If it is that severe, then you really need, you know, counselling help, and we can't help you with that. But I thought they were, like, recommended by sports nutritionists here. Can I talk to one? We haven't got a nutritionalist here, so it's probably a call to the, the doctor that you need. Right. Yeah, OK. Thank you for calling anyway. Bye. Oh, yeah, bye. She's so... She's really sunny. 
She's not genuinely concerned about my problem at all. She's just trying to fob me off to another agency. What kind of help is that? No, this is just so that you, c so that we can make a note of your problem. Put you down as a Jaffaholic. There, there's a list. Mm. Some kind of and evil you, list. Did you hear halfway through she put me on speakerphone as well? Did she? Yeah. So yeah. the rest of the office could hear That's Mr. Right. Nutter. <laughs> Mr. Nutbar. Okay, so there you go. Uh, that was Adam talking to Jaffaholics Anonymous. And they weren't even helpful. They didn't care about his problem. The whole thing's just an irresponsible fun line, apparently. Um, so that was just a little chance for you to listen to Adam Buxton. And uh, again, I encourage you to listen to the Adam Buxton podcast, uh, which you can, again, find on iTunes. You can find it on Acast and other podcasting apps and stuff like that. Um, now, let's move on to the next one. And the next podcast that I listened to that I thought you might be interested in is called The Infinite Monkey Cage. <laughs> Hello everybody, I'm just interrupting the podcast here in order to tell you that that is the end of part one of this episode. Um, I just finished recording the entire thing and it ended up being about an hour and a half long and uh, I don't want to upload an hour and a half of podcasting because some of you out there won't be able to listen to that in one sitting and you'll, you just won't listen to the rest of it. So I've decided to cut it into two as I seem to be doing these days and I'm going to present this to you in two parts. So that's the end of part one. And um, in that part, you heard me talk about a few podcasts. Let me just name them again. So first of all, there was Adam and Joe on the BBC. There was Desert Island Discs uh, on the BBC. There was there was Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's Film Review also on the BBC. And those three were podcasts that I talked about the last time I did uh, an episode like this. And then the, uh, the new ones uh, were The Illusionist. Um, and then the Adam Buxton podcast. And that's it, basically. Um, I did mention, just um, just before I uh, interrupted myself here, I did mention The Infinite Monkey Cage, and that's the next uh, podcast that I'm going to talk to you about. And if you'd like to know about The Infinite Monkey Cage, then just uh, you'll have to listen to the next episode of this podcast, which should be available to you very, 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 very soon. Okay? All right, then. So how are you doing, everyone? Are you okay out there? Have you been enjoying listening to this podcast? I certainly hope so. Um, I realise that I've been kind of talking about stuff that I like. I hope that you like it too. And I do hope that you go and check out some of those podcasts that I've recommended. You don't need to listen to them all. You could just listen to one or two and you might find that they really kind of um, appeal to you and then you can become long-term listeners. But don't forget about Luke's English podcast, for goodness sake. Oh, no, you wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't leave me, would you? I don't mean to sound needy there, but, um, you know, I don't want you to run off with some other podcast. No, I'd be heartbroken. Don't do that to me. Anyway, this is the end of the episode, so I think that's it, isn't it? That's all I've got to say to you. So thanks very much for listening, and you can now jump over to part two if it's available, which it should be. Okay, all right. Have a nice day, or night, or morning, or evening. Uh, have, enjoy the sandwich that you're eating uh, drive carefully and I will speak to you on the podcast soon but for now it's just time to say goodbye bye 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 thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast for more information visit teacherluke.co.uk
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.